Amen. What a fun morning to have Jake and Ellie back with us and to hear good news stories of how God is at work through their ministries and uh, the ministries of Faith Covenant Church through them. Again, I want to add their thanks uh, to their thanks, uh, gratitude for all of your generosity in helping support uh, their call from God to go serve in Colombia. It's fun to hear stories of God's long-term plan of healing and recovery in Maho's life and in many people's lives as we uh, continue or actually wrap up our uh, series that was kind of following the Olympics this morning that we've been calling More Than Gold. Uh, We are encouraged this morning to remember that all those athletes who made it to the pinnacle of their sport, who eventually were able to stand on the podium and receive a gold medal, Uh, had a long and storied journey to get them to that point. We might just see that that final event or that week, but as we know from athletic uh, competition, there are often injuries and recovery times and, and lots of opportunities to stumble and fall and have to get back up again and again on the training road to gold victory. And as we've looked at uh, the Olympics and how we can be inspired by the the courage and the dedication and the discipline of some of these amazing athletes for our own spiritual lives, we're recognizing that as we look at God's call in our lives to be dedicated and disciplined and committed to a long-term obedience in the same direction, we recognize that our our goal isn't just gold, but it's, it's more than gold. It's the upward call to heaven in Jesus Christ. And all of us have that same call. We can all be victors in the Christian life. So I'm excited to uh, wrap up our series this morning with hopefully what you will experience is a final word of encouragement that for each of us in our spiritual lives as well, if we are going to be victorious, we have to also be good at recovering from injury. If you're visiting with us this morning, a special welcome to you. My name's Kurt. I'm one of the pastors here, and we'd love to get to know you a little bit after the service is over. But as we take time now to look into God's Word, would you all just take a moment and pray with me again and ask God to bless us through His Spirit and His Word this morning. God, we do thank you that you are a God who speaks, that you have given us the Bible as your inspired word, but that through that word you also speak to us through your Holy Spirit, that you bring the word alive, that it is living, that it is active, and that it can pierce through bone and marrow to the very heart of things in our lives. And so this morning, God, as we come to your word, I, I just pray that you will speak to each one of us that word that which we need to hear that will encourage us to make a dedicated commitment to recover from whatever injuries we may have experienced or be experiencing right now, to allow the healing of your spirit into our lives so that we too can run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Injuries, as I said, we know are a part of athletic competition including the Olympic Games. For example, in Mexico City in 1968, American Mickey King was ahead after eight attempts in springboard diving. Unfortunately, on her ninth dive, she hit the springboard on her way down and broke her left arm, which resulted in a fourth-place finish, and she missed the gold. But to her credit, four years later, after recovering from injury, she was back on the same springboard, and in 1972, in the Munich, Germany Olympics, she won the gold in the very same event. Injuries are a part of our life, too, aren't they? Greg, uh, you know, 
had this injury unexpected. He had the volleyball poles fall on his leg, and, and then it took forever to, to recover from this skin injury, I guess you'd kind of call it, right? I mean, he had to go to, to medical therapy for weeks and weeks to get this injury to heal. I mean, church work can be hazardous to your health. <laughs> but it's not only physical injuries that we can experience in church as well, but we have to especially pay attention to the risk of emotional and spiritual injuries in our lives. We just heard the story of Maho, who apparently sometime early in her life had, had experienced a sense of abandonment from God and so felt like God wasn't there for her, so she wasn't going to be there for God and turned her back and walked away from the faith because of an injury that she had experienced in her personal life. That's why the author of Hebrews wants us to pay close attention to the importance of healing and recovery in our spiritual lives as we run this race that is marked out for us by Jesus Christ, who he says is the author and the perfecter of our faith. This morning, we're going to wrap up our series by looking again in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 12 and 13. The author there says, Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees, make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Let me just read that one more time. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees, make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Now keep in mind, he's returning to this athletic theme. He's talking about running a race. And so as we see here in the images that he's drawing, which are actually uh, uh, quotes from Isaiah and from Proverbs and some of the wisdom literature of the Old Testament, the, the picture of having feeble arms and weak knees is this, is this image of total exhaustion, of, of complete breakdown of your physical extremities so that you can't continue on in the race. You can't complete to the race to the finish line because you don't have any strength left. It's an echo of a spiritual and emotional fatigue which can set in in our own lives as well that he was concerned about in verses 3 and 5 of this chapter when he began trying to encourage us to be diligent and disciplined in running this race. He talks about those who might be discouraged because of a, a dire situation that they find themselves in. And, and it's a call to hope, to, to lift our eyes again to Jesus, who can help guide us on this journey and get us on the right track and set us on a new path towards experiencing the kind of life of righteousness and holiness and fruitfulness that God has intended and desires for us. The strengthening of our arms and our knees is a figurative uh, way of talking about taking heart having courage, renewing our hope that what's impossible with man is, is possible with God. The straight or level path is a common image in Old Testament wisdom literature, referring to the, what Bi the Bible says is God's way of living rightly. It's God's way of holiness. It's, it's the straight path. It's the narrow path. It's the path that few people choose to follow, but it's the one path that will lead us to the kind of experience of life that God desires for us and ultimately that we want for ourselves. If you experience brokenness, in, in, in uh, woundedness in your life, it's the one path that will lead to true healing and recovery from those experiences in life. 
Commentaries suggest that this word, which, that which is lame, refers to the crippling effect of being emotionally and spiritually wounded in our lives and experiencing that discouragement in our Christian walk that can lead some of us even to abandon the faith altogether. We don't want what is already crippled to become completely disabled or disjointed. The original Greek word that used there is ektrepo, and apparently in the ancient world it was a technical medical term for, a, uh, for something being out of joint. Uh, a dislocated joint was ektrepo. And so we're being encouraged here by the author of Hebrews to follow the Lord's level path of holiness in our lives so that our current spiritual condition, which if we have to admit, we all have experienced some woundedness and injury and brokenness in our lives. But we want that that to result in healing and not further dislocation, which will ultimately prevent us from being able to finish and complete the race at the end. Because, see, it's not whether you win gold, it's whether you complete the race. Again, God's discipline and his training program that we've been talking about in the weeks of this series isn't about trying to punish us for the wrongs that we've done. It's about uh, trying to encourage us to not worry about where we've been, but to keep our eyes on him and to experience a different, more positive future with Jesus in our lives as a result of staying on track with him. We were in a small group in uh, Northern California, and it was, uh, we were, it was in our younger days before Lucas, and it was a lot of young couples, and so we were, had time and freedom to do a lot of social things together, and so one day we uh, left from the uh, San Jose area where the church was, and we drove two hours south to Monterey, and we went sea kayaking in Monterey Bay. Oh, awesome. Being out there on the water with sea otters and fowl and uh, fish and uh, seals all over the place, just wildlife of the sea. We had so much fun. Well, of course, you get out there, you get on this kayak, and you get some guys going, and pretty soon, a little competition sets in, right? And, and we start racing, and so we're tooling around out there. We had a great day. We got back. I didn't think anything was wrong, but of course, the next day, I wake up, and I had this pain in my shoulders in the back there from rowing, because I wasn't used to that rowing, right? Well, you know, I tough it out, take a couple ibuprofen. Well, a couple days later, now it's not just there. It's like across my whole shoulders. And then pretty soon it starts going down my back, and I can't even move. I mean, I'm like incapacitated because my back is just freaking out on me. So I go to the doctor, and he says, well, you know, it's definitely muscular, so really the only option is physical therapy. So I go to the physical therapist, and I kind of get diagnosed by the physical therapist, and they come up with a, uh, a healing plan, and really the only cure for that kind of an injury is long-term exercise to retrain the muscles on how to work. Because apparently what happened is, in your back you have all these different muscles, and one muscle you know, cramped up and went into seizure, and because it wasn't functioning prop- properly, the muscles around it begin to try and compensate for it, so then they end up going into seizure, and it creates this cascade effect in your back. And the only way to cure that is through specific exercises and stretching, is to retrain the muscles how to function properly. If that isn't an analogy for our spiritual lives, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what else is. I mean, we can have one experience in our life, whether it's from a relationship or in our family, or maybe it's the consequences of a choice that we've made that creates a wound or a spiritual, emotional injury in our life. And then everything else in our life begins to try and compensate for that one injury. 
And pretty soon everything starts to go into spasm and we have this cascade effect where our entire life can begin to disintegrate around us because of that one injury that goes unhealed. And yet the, the, the healing process sometimes isn't that miraculous one-time zap from God where he comes in and says, boom, you're healed. But it's a long-term process of recovery, of walking with Jesus and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. You know, the Bible says that Jesus is the great physician. But I'd like to suggest to you this morning that Jesus is also the great physical therapist. You know, we know that God can and does do miraculous healing in our lives. There are those moments where God breaks in and, it, and, and there's something that's in need of a radical surgery and like a, like a skilled surgeon will, will take a scalpel and will cut into our lives and, and dramatically shift a person's life and experience and bring healing and wholeness in the moment. But truth be told, many of us are also in need of that ongoing therapeutic relearning of our spiritual muscles, how to do it in the proper way so that we grow into health and wholeness and strength in God. Jesus is the great physical therapist. Sometimes there are injuries that simply just take a long time of intentional obedience in a long direction to be able to allow God to work his healing into our lives. So what do we do? Well, first of all, it's important we have to identify the injury. We have to admit that the injury is there. Uh, Most of us are really good at taking those broken places and those hurt places and shoving them down and covering them up and pretending they're not there and just going on as if life is okay. So the first step is admitting that we have a problem recognizing that we all have experienced brokenness and woundedness in our lives. Anytime you've been in a relationship with another person, you're going to have some kind of brokenness or injury that happens between the two of you. That's a part of being in relationship. And so we have to understand that if we are going to grow into wholeness with God, we have to be willing to be honest about those places of injury and brokenness, whether from somebody else's fault or from the result of some choices that we've made in our own lives. And then we have to be willing to get with God to set up a program of rehabilitation. There's a pastor and author and Christian counselor in Phoenix named Tom Zimmerman that I had the privilege to to meet with in an ongoing way for a couple of years. And he wrote a book called Keep the Change, How to Keep Lasting Life Transformation in Your Life. It's a great little book and it's a workbook and it would be a great tool if any of you are are interested in having something that can kind of guide you on a rehabilitation program. Uh, Just let me know. I'd be happy to share the book with you. But in the book, he he identifies there are several obstacles in our spiritual lives that can become hindrances to our moving forward. But the two that he says are most important is number one, making peace with your past. Healing from those past wounds that have happened maybe yesterday or a long time ago. This is because those past hurts can can create resentment, can create a sense of anger or frustration and betrayal in our lives. And and a root of bitterness can set in and it can color the way we see life. It can color the way we see relationships. It can color the way we see God. And it can prevent us from experiencing God's best and God's goodness in our life. What we understand is that wounds often create an experience of loss. And this is where we don't often associate woundedness with loss. But but if you think about it, if you experience a a betrayal or or a wound of somebody you trusted, or or maybe you had a, a, a negative experience with a church leader or a church community... 
We, we can experience the loss of innocence as a result of that wound. We can experience a loss of, of, of safety as a result of that experience. We can experience the loss of trust. Or we can experience the loss of money if it was a financial venture that went south. That, that was a place that we thought was a trustworthy place to invest our, our resources. Whatever the wound is, part of recovery from that injury is admitting what it is that we've lost as a result of being injured and being able to enter into the process of grieving that loss. You see, grief is an important part of recovering from the wounds of an emotional and a spiritual life. We learn to grieve the loss of what should have been or what could have been. And ultimately, we learn to let go of the pain of our past and receive a new way of living in God, allowing God to retrain our emotional and spiritual muscles to not be reactive to that sensitivity from the past, but to open ourselves to a new possible future. And we are reminded by the Bible that God is with us in this process. Number one, the first step is to just recognize it's normal. You are not the odd person out. It is common and normal for all of us to experience this kind of woundedness and to have to grieve the loss of some of those things that that we should have had or we could have had but never really worked out for us. Number two, acknowledge that place of injury. Acknowledge what it is and accept those feelings that come along with it. If you've been angry or bitter or you felt betrayed, that is also normal and understandable. We need to allow ourselves to feel and to process those in order to get them out so that we can ultimately let them go. One of the best ways that you can do that, it's one of the hardest, but is you can tell your story to someone else. You can tell your story to someone else. I can't tell you how many times where people have come into the office for pastoral counseling because life is not working out and they're struggling and they they tell me their story and at the end of their story they say, you're the first person I've told about this. You see, if we keep it quiet and we hide it and we hold it to ourselves, it has that power to continue to derail us in the race. It keeps us off track. But if we can be honest with someone else, someone we trust, someone who we can talk to and be honest with, it allows us to begin that process of letting go and healing and experiencing recovery. And then we need to develop a training program with God to exercise and retrain those spiritual muscles so that they can work properly. Many of our behaviors today can be motivated by those wounds of our past and continue to prevent us from experiencing God's victory in our lives. So the challenge for us is to start now, the author of Hebrews says, to make that level path, to find out what those obstacles are, to get them out of your way so that you can run fast and true and not become disjointed or have that wound become an even worse problem in your life. Now, that's one of the things that we're called to do as a church with and for one another, right? We can help you with that. If you don't have somebody that you can go to talk to to tell your story, you can come and talk to me or one of our pastors on staff, or you can get into one of our small groups or Bible studies and find a a, a trusted Christian friend who can become a, a partner with you on this journey. That's one of the values of Christian community is God has given us to each other to lift one another up so we don't have to walk this race alone. 
There are programs that you can get involved in. One of the ones that we've launched is called Grief Share, and Pastor Donna is doing that again this fall, and there's a, a launch event coming up at the end of uh, this month where you can get involved in a group of people who are willing to, to be honest about their grief and, and work together through a process of learning to let go so we can experience God's healing and wholeness in our life. Or maybe you can be involved in, in Celebrate Recovery that follows more of a 12-step program to overcome experiences of addiction and other woundedness in our lives. There are many resources available if you feel that God this morning is touching you and saying, now it's time to start doing the work of getting into physical therapy or spiritual therapy with Jesus. The other thing that Tom Zimmerman identifies in his book, Keep the Change, is that many past wounds like this are connected to some relationship. Most of these wounds are connected to some relationship. And he says the only way that the Bible teaches us that we can experience healing from these kinds of relationships is through forgiveness. Freedom comes through forgiveness. You see, the word forgive, he says, really means to release, to let something go, like opening your fists and allowing a big rock to fall to the ground. When you forgive, you choose not to hang on to the past. You choose to let it go. You choose to release it. You choose to forgive that person in your life. God demonstrated the critical need for forgiveness in our spiritual recovery program by sending Jesus as the atoning sacrifice for our sin. That's our theology. That's what the Bible teaches. But what does it mean in practical terms? It means that you and I were forgiven completely by Jesus on the cross when he said, I give everything to show you how much I love you. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. God's forgiveness is available for you. And because of that forgiveness, because the starting point for healing is forgiveness in our relationship with God, we can accept God's forgiveness and that allows us to then begin to offer forgiveness to one another and to those who have wounded us and perhaps even more importantly in the end, sometimes it's even allowing ourselves to forgive ourselves. Jesus' story of the prodigal son who wandered away and squandered his inheritance and, and, and then found himself in the, the dregs of life, you know, eating slop with pigs and then decides he wants to go back to his father's house and, and say, well, at least let me be a servant in your house. I'm not worthy to be a son, but let me be a servant because at least your servants, you know, have a warm place to sleep and they get three square meals a day, Right? And so he comes back, and, and, and before he can even get back, the father sees him on the horizon because he's been waiting and watching for his son, and the father runs to his son and embraces him, and it says, ah, none of that. My son that was lost is found again. Come, let's throw a feast. Let's have a party. You see, the prodigal son story isn't about the son. It's about the forgiving, loving father. And that's the story of the good news message of Jesus Christ is that Jesus' Father, our Heavenly Father, is a forgiving Father that, that is just waiting to welcome us back if only we will turn our eyes towards Him, to keep our eyes on Jesus as the author and the perfecter of our faith. The, the author of Hebrews says, let's run to Jesus and everything will be okay. Everything will be okay. Forgiveness is the past is the path to freedom from past wounds. Now there's two aspects 
to forgiveness in our spiritual recovery program. Number one, we may need to forgive someone who's wounded us, as I've said. That, that might be the most important first part. We may need to seek also forgiveness from someone that we have wounded. And truth be told, if we're honest with ourselves, all of us have messed up in a relationship with somebody else at one time or another as well, right? Well, we often don't have to wait for that person to come to us asking for forgiveness or for, our, you know, for us to... I'm getting it all twisted around now. You know what I'm saying, though. I don't know, maybe. God invites us to follow his example and to be proactive in going to people that maybe we have wounded and saying, I'm sorry. Ask for forgiveness from somebody that you know that you've wounded and you can be an agent of reconciliation and peace in their life and it also removes that obstacle from your life. Forgiveness, we have to understand, starts with God in Jesus Christ. He is the loving, forgiving Father. When we accept God's forgiveness for our mistakes and for our sins, we have the courage then to forgive others and to seek forgiveness from others. But this too often is a process of relearning and retraining our emotional and spiritual wiring to function in a new way or to renew our spiritual muscles so that we actually can follow through on this calling that God has given us to be people of forgiveness, to be peacemakers who sow a harvest of righteousness. We all experience injuries at one time or another. Spiritual champions who understand that life is about more than gold don't become incapacitated forever by injuries in their lives. They do the hard work of pursuing recovery and the healing from the injuries so that they can complete the race that God has called them on. That's what Hebrews 12 is really all about. It's about finishing the race well. It's about perseverance and commitment in running the race to the end, no matter what happens. Jesus said that in this race of life, it's not going to be like the world thinks. It's going to be backwards. It's going to be upside down. In this race that you're running, the first is going to be last, and the last is going to be first. It's not about winning gold. When you begin to see that God is calling us to an eternal perspective, we understand that the spiritual life is about so much more than gold. I want to do something a little bit different this morning. I want to wrap up by sharing with you a dramatic reading of a favorite poem of mine that I, I came across in seminary that was meaningful for me and I hope will be an encouragement for you. I give you the race. Whenever I start to hang my head in front of failure's face, my downward fall is broken by the memory of a race. A children's race, young boys, young men, I remember it well. Excitement, sure, but also fear. It wasn't hard to tell. They all lined up so full of hope, each thought to win the race, or tie for first, or if not that, at least take second place. Their parents watched from off the side, each cheering for their son, and each boy hoped to show his folks that he would be the one. The whistle blew and off they flew like chariots of fire. To win, to be the hero there was each young boy's desire. One boy in particular, whose dad was in the crowd, was running in the lead and thought, my dad will be so proud. 
But as he speeded down the field and crossed a shallow dip, the little boy who thought he'd win lost his step and slipped. Trying hard to catch himself, he flew out, he, his arms flew out to brace, and amidst the laughter of the crowd, fell flat on his face. As he fell, his hope fell too. He couldn't win it now. Humiliated, he just wished to disappear somehow. But as he fell, his dad stood up and showed his anxious face, to which the boy so clearly said, which to the boy so clearly said, get up, win the race. He quickly rose, no damage done, behind a bit, that's all, and ran with all his mind and might to make up for his fall. So anxious to restore himself, to catch up, and to win, his mind went faster than his legs. He slipped and fell again. He wished that he had quit before with only one disgrace. I'm hopeless as a runner now. I shouldn't try to race. But through the laughing crowd he searched and found his father's face. Which, is, which with a steady look that said again, get up and win the race. So up he jumped to try again, 10 yards behind the last. If I'm going to gain those yards, he thought, I got to run real fast. Expending everything he had, he gained eight and then 10, but trying hard to catch the lead, he slipped and fell again. Defeat! He lay there silently, a tear dropped from his eye. There's no sense in running anymore. Three strikes. I'm out. Why try? I've lost, so what's the use, he thought. I'll live with my disgrace. But then he thought about his dad, who soon he'd have to face. Get up, an echo sounded low. You haven't lost at all. For all you have to do to win is rise each time you fall. Get up, the echo urged him on. Get up and take your place. You were not meant for failure here. Get up and win the race. So up he rose to run once more, refusing to forfeit. And he resolved that win or lose, at least he wouldn't quit. So far behind the others now, the most he'd ever been, still he gave it all he had and ran as if to win. Three times he'd fallen, stumbling. Three times he rose again, too far behind a hope to win. He still ran to the end. They cheered the other boy who crossed the line first place. Head high and proud and happy, no falling, no disgrace. But when the fallen youngster crossed the line last place, the crowd gave him the greater cheer for finishing the race. And even though he came in last with head bowed low, unproud, you would have thought he'd won the race to listen to the crowd. And to his dad, he sadly said, I didn't do so well. To me, you won, his father said. You rose each time you fell. And now when things seem dark and bleak and difficult to face, the memory of that little boy helps me in my own race. For all of life is like that race with ups and downs and all. And all you have to do to win is rise each time you fall. And when depression and despair shout loudly in my face, another voice within me says, get up and win the race. Would you pray with me?
God, sensitive subject this morning, talking about wounds, brokenness, past injuries, unhealed relationships. God, you know the mistakes that we've made and the places that we hide away from others and even from ourselves and especially from you. We recognize, God, if we are going to experience spiritual victory in our lives, we need to allow the truth of your word to seep into our hearts, to to go to those deeper places of woundedness and brokenness, admit that we are not okay, and find that as you bring your gentle touch to our lives, you also bring your healing and your wholeness. God, would you give us the courage to allow you into those places in our lives this morning. God, would you give us the courage not to just be honest about that with you, but to to find some other person that we can tell our story to so that we can begin that spiritual recovery process, allowing your healing and your wholeness to work its way into our lives, retraining, renewing, reinvigorating our spiritual muscles so that we can experience the abundant life that you will desire for us to have. God, we love you and we thank you. Forgive us for the ways that we have turned our back on you and help us, like the prodigal son, to keep our eyes on Jesus and to run to you as our loving father. And we will thank you and praise you and tell everyone about the good news of love, forgiveness, and grace through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.